This is episode 25 with Mike Sorrentino. Welcome to the Apitalize on Your Idea podcast, helping you bring any idea to fruition. Now, here's the guy who makes it all happen while keeping his day job, Justin Escar. Happy New Year, everyone. Glad to see everyone's back. I hope everyone had a great New Year, enjoyed some time off, and now we're back. It's 2015. We're ready to rock. We're starting off the year great, actually, because uh, next, today is the 6th. Next week, next on the 12th, if you're in Manhattan, I will be speaking at the Inventors Association of Manhattan at the Chrysler Building at 6.30 p.m. So go to meetup.com, and you can find Inventors Association of Manhattan or search Apitalize on your idea, or just check out the link. We'll put it in the blog post. Um, and sign up for it. It's 20 bucks to, to go, but... You'll see me do a presentation on Apitalize. You'll probably learn a lot. There's a lot of people there, too. So if you want to make connections, that's a great place to meet people. And that's where I met today's guest. It's Michael Sorrentino, the creator and founder of the iPatch case. Now, Michael was at the Inventors Association in Manhattan. I happened to be on the pitching panel that night, which is uh, kind of like a Shark Tanky kind of thing. And Mike created this product where it's a case for your iPhone, and they're coming out with other mobile devices and it's a slider that covers the camera on your phone which is a great thing because people are looking for ways to either keep their camera safe or protected Uh, he actually found out not only is it a security thing and which is what the original goal was but photographers liked it too as in it didn't scratch the lens on their iphone camera which is you know a pretty good camera at this point so he actually followed, without knowing the, the ways of capitalizing, where he, he came up with the idea from something he heard on the radio, he got his patent, he found an industrial designer who helped build the actual product, and then he got it produced in China and brought it here to the States. And the reason I'm putting up his episode today, we recorded this in December, but I wanted to put it up today is because... This week is CES in Las Vegas. For anyone who doesn't know, it's the Consumers Electronics Show. All the big wigs are there showing off their products, things that are going to be coming out in 2015. And Mike is actually there. He's got a small booth. Um, but if you're in Las Vegas and you listen to the podcast, please go over to CES. Please go see Mike at the iPatch case booth and tell him that you found out about him from me. Pick up a case. I think they're like 20 bucks. But I want everyone to listen to how Mike came about with his product, how he came up with the idea, and how he built it. So today's episode, it's Mike Sorrentino from the iPatch case. What's up, everybody? Hope everyone's having a great day today. Uh, I'm really excited about today's guest. It's Michael Sorrentino, the creator and founder of the iPatch case, the first iPhone case with a movable lens cap. This thing is super sweet. Mike. How you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on, man. Uh, so uh, for the listeners, Michael and I met at the Inventors Association of Manhattan. Uh, he was doing a pitching panel on his product, the the eye patch case. And uh, I had given you some marketing uh, ideas. Don't know if you ran with them, but that's okay. And um, what, I, what I wanted to bring you on today about, Mike, is because you actually, without even knowing it, <clears throat> follow the capitalizer mindset because this isn't your day job you have an actual day job this is a, a side project and you've used techniques that i teach in the capitalized world about outsourcing such to get this made right 
That's correct. All right, so tell us a little bit about the eye patch and like how it came, how it came to light, and how did you come up with the idea? The gist of it is this: um, I had been kicking around the idea for some time, um, always in the back of my head. One night, I couldn't sleep. I was listening to the radio, and um, the DJ had mentioned how he uh, puts tape over the camera on his iPad, um, that it kind of creeps him out having the camera on all the time. And it made me think, somebody's got to have this. So I started looking. I couldn't find anybody that had any solutions that were good. So I thought, I'm going to make it. And that's how the eye patch came about. So, okay, obviously that's the really, really short, short version. <laughs> you know, so so let's so let's talk about this. So you heard on the radio that this guy puts tape on his camera. And I know many people out there who have done this in the past. I mean, I've joked around with some people that I can get into their camera on their computer, even though I can't. Right. And um, so they put, you know, duct tape or post note or something on their com- cameras uh, on their computers and stuff like that. Basically, Wait, where did like is that is that well for the phone is that like a real thing is that like a real issue like is that a so, security thing? So, it is in short, uh, more so on Android phones than iPhones. Um, recently, there was a news story about a piece of uh, malware software that could access the phones. I will say that generally somebody has to be pretty experienced to do it. Okay. However, um, you know the. The problem is a software problem with phones. Um, eventually, somebody's going to figure out how to do it for very easy and cheap so that any kid can do it. It's easy to do it on a laptop now. Um, if you have a company-owned laptop, chances are someone has access to everything on that laptop remotely, whether you know it or not. Um, I covered a story. Um, I'm a journalist um, years ago of a school in Pennsylvania who provided laptops to all the kids in the schools. And what was happening was some creepy IT guy was hacking into their laptop's camera while the children were at home in their bedrooms. That's um, weird. Yeah, the justification was that it was because they were seeing if they were using drugs. But I don't care if I'm the parent of a child with a school-issued laptop. I don't want anybody sneaking in. So that really kind of set everything in motion for me, that there needed to be a simple mechanical solution to this complex software problem. So that, okay, so that was, I mean, that article, you wrote that a couple of years ago. So that's been in your head all this time. And then Correct. finally you heard this. I mean, yeah, so I don't know who also, listens to the radio, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> also this summer, um, and this uh, summer, Edward Snowden did an interview with uh, Brian Williams on NBC. And Edward Snowden, the man who was famous for leaking um, lots of thousands of NSA uh, documents and exposing the NSA spying scandal, if you will. Um, And Edward Snowden said in that interview that it is entirely possible for the NSA to access the cameras on a cell phone, tablet, even if it is technically turned off. Uh, Our phones are might be powered down, but they're more sleeping than they are turned off. Right. What our case does is adds a physical barrier, an actual simple on-off switch to your camera. And also, outside of security concerns, a big thing for us that we found was that people who are interested in using their phones for what we call photography, people who um, carry their phones around all day, and now the cameras are so good that, you know what, the one thing that the phone that you carry around all day, every day, doesn't have is a lens cap. 
you get smudges on the camera. I know I'm constantly prior to the eye patch case, you would have to like use the corner of my sleeve and like wipe off smudges on the camera before taking a picture. This actually prevents that because what we did is incorporated a little fiber uh, cloth underneath that switch. So it actually wipes the lens clean every time. And this is so this is what you and I were talking about at IAM and we're gonna we're gonna get into how you made the eye patch case. But <clears throat> we discussed a little bit uh, about the two angles you can go with this. And this is a really good thing for people who are coming up with ideas. Not always is the original idea, in this case for you, the security aspect of it, the only idea for your product. You found another angle, in this case, the protecting of the, the camera lens for the photographers. And it becomes, that, becomes, that opens a whole new market for you. Yeah, it really is something we stumbled on. Um, it was something that um, as we started to grow on social media, specifically on Twitter, we found that there were people who were responding to the idea uh, who were interested in just covering and protecting their lens. That's awesome. All right, so you had this idea. How did you go from idea to product? It was a long road. Um, we are on the home stretch. We started the first, very first thing I did was intellectual property protection. And then that came in the form of patents. Right. Um, so I began the process, long process that will last me for several years of getting prote patent protection on our product. It, um, all of the paperwork is filed. It will probably take several years. That was the first step. And in order to approach anyone with my idea um, from a business standpoint or consultants or anyone, I needed to have some sort of protection. Once I did that, I went forward with the development phase. I hired a friend of a friend. I asked around. Um, who knows an industrial designer? I found a guy, great guy. Name is Ken. And uh, he spent his spare time and uh, developed some computer designs for the case. We went back and forth over several months. After we found a design that we liked, I was able to build several prototypes on three printers. 3D printing is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and I, I just, I started making uh, the first model. I wanted it to be able to print on a MakerBot um, mm. because that was the cheapest and most accessible thing. Um, I went down the road into other companies and found ways to, to make them a um, little more advanced prototypes. But what happened was I realized at some point I was going to have to raise a lot of money in order to have really nice rubber molds made to make mass production models. And that's when I turned to crowdfunding. So you put up a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, we uh, created a campaign on a website called Headfunder. It's exactly, well, I won't say exactly. It's very similar to Kickstarter. Okay. Um, the difference is that actually Headfunder doesn't take a fee, and they take uh, about 10% of uh, their profits every month, and they redistribute uh, it to... Um, Nonprofit campaigns. It's pretty cool. Um, anyway, I went on this website, Headfunder, um, and um, I was very successful. We did a one-month-long campaign, raised uh, $20,000 to create not one, but now two models of phones. Now, that wasn't easy, and I'm sure we'll talk more at length about how that worked, but um, running a crowdfunding campaign, as you probably know, is one of the most challenging, difficult, and long rides that you will have. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, we. I have. I'm working with a couple of clients now that are. We're trying to put them into some 
crowdfunding campaigns and it's just like okay here's all the rules that we need to follow first and we need to get all these things done they're like we just want to put it up there and i'm like that's just not how it works right but that's a whole nother conversation (laughs) yes right all right so you got your money so okay so now let's just i want to go down in order so you you got your patent you found you outsourced your industrial design who came up with some prototypes Mm -hmm. you got your money from from head funder what'd you do with the cash because clearly you didn't pocket it (laughs) well we immediately were able to move forward on production. I had done some research beforehand, gotten plenty of quotes. Um, We decided to take our production to a company in China. I found them over Alibaba.com. And we, um, I found somebody who I not only trusted, I was able to look at their background at the facility and all this info. Um, And um, we immediately started after the campaign on having those molds made and um, tweaking the design. Then we started working on packaging. Um, and it took you know uh, several months to get from that point to where we are today, which is um, just this morning, the box left uh, the warehouse in China. And uh, on Thursday, I'll have a thousand of these cases in my nice. studio apartment. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I had a studio. I, I started I started in a studio also. Trust me, I, I feel it. So let's talk about Alibaba for a second because I really like Alibaba as, as a concept. I've used Alibaba for uh, our magnetic styluses. And, you know, all said and done, you know, it was a pretty easy uh, uh, thing to use. It was surprisingly easy to, to use Alibaba um, despite the, you know, the time difference in the in the language barrier and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, we happened to have tried a couple different people first before we found somebody we liked, right? Um, and they did a you know a pretty good job. Tell tell us how like how it went for you. Like, what was you just went to the website, just picked somebody and said, "Hey, can you make this?" This is not my first foray into uh, manufacturing through Alibaba, which was one thing that helped. However, it was really easy. I mean, I just did a search on cell phone case manufacturers, injection molding, keywords that I knew that I needed. I found a bunch. What I did was you're able to chat live with some of them, and I was able to have quick chats with a few of them and basically in real time pit them against one another in bidding. And then I was able to, within probably like three to five days, have you know 10 to 15, something like that, quotes from these places. And... Um, I also judge them based on their response time, based on their quality of their, you know, um, their responses and uh, the length and in-depth, you know, they knew to go uh, into the manufacturing capabilities and things like that. I finally settled on one. Now, you said this is what I I think this is kind of cool is that you said this earlier that you really wanted to do everything with a MakerBot and then you went to Alibaba. There's actually an article. It's on on my website. I'll, I'll put it back in the show notes for everybody where... Somebody actually calls Alibaba the world's biggest 3D printer. <laughs> I believe um, it. And you can really get anything. Now, when I last used Alibaba, and I haven't made anything in a while, like the website, I, I'm on the website right now just to take a look, and it's a lot different than when I was on it. But when I was on it last time, I mean, you can get anything. You can get a car. You can literally order and custom make cars if on Alibaba, and they will produce Chinese-made cars and ship them to the United States. It's crazy. It's and like, crazy what they can do there. I'm going to look at Even the now. smallest thing, um, you know, coffee cup sleeves, you know? I mean, anything you want. Um, I, it's amazing. I, I hadn't... Know, before I it fell 
um, before I stumbled on to Alibaba, I had no idea it existed. And then once I did, I was like sold. So real quick, but, I'm I'm just I'm on Alibaba right now. I just want to I want to put this out there. I just all I did was I searched for automobile, okay. <laughs> and I have you can order a what they call a Toyota Technology gasoline petrol engine. That's a two wheel drive. It looks like a the Toyota SUV. You can order what they call a four seat cheap Chinese electric car with air conditioning. How much um, is that? Let me. I'm gonna go into this. I'm gonna go into the. The EV3. I want it, this one. A 2014 <laughs> electric automobile. It is, wow, it's 6700 American dollars, but you have to order two. Wow, that's, I'm looking at a bamboo electric car for kids. I mean, I'm looking at this car. I'm, I might actually just, it's really small. It kind of looks like a smart car. Oh, it totally is a smart car ripoff. Um, but this, this is ridiculous. You can, you can, you can order anything. I love really, real quick, the specification says, automobile <laughs> right we're like yeah no duh um <laughs> and you'll get it in 15 days and you can have it in any color you want red yellow black blue i mean the point here is that if you're gonna manufacture something while yes everybody thinks you know you got to keep it in the united states you know manufacturing in the united states is very very expensive um and if unless you're manufacturing so much that it makes the cost go down you really need to think about manufacturing overseas, not necessarily China. Like you, you can get clothes in like in um, Indonesia, or you can get electronics in Japan, things like that. People really need to take it. You know, you need to take advantage of this. I really kind of just, if I had the cash right now, I would totally just buy this car just to see what happens. I want this kid's electric car. You know what I have to say about the, um, you know, the startup world is so insanely expensive and there are so many i won't call them roadblocks but there are so many bumps in the road one of them is manufacturing yeah i have no background prior to um this product in making cell phone cases um when i i first started to make to do what i was doing to to make what i'm making now here in the united states was unfortunately incredibly expensive i'm talking like you know, mortgage the house expensive right. in order to just get started. And it truly was prohibitive. And I couldn't move forward until, um, you know, obviously crowdfunding was one way to get to raise the money. And then, but I still couldn't have met, moved ahead if it wasn't for, you know, buying, taking things overseas and outsourcing. Right. Um, okay. So let's move on. So we, so we now have, okay. So we've been protected. You got your, you got your industrial designer for your prototypes. You got your money. You went to Alibaba. Now you're getting your product. Now, other than the people you need to, I'm assuming that in the crowdfunding, you probably, yeah. one of your rewards was a case or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, so we've got a. How are you going to uh, sell the rest of them? So we've uh, created a web presence. Uh, we've got a website, ipatchcase.com. That's the first thing we've did. We've done just for some pre-orders mm -hmm. um, and have been very um, happy with the results so far, actually, with our pre-orders. Um What's nice is as people are ordering, I can shoot them an email and ask them what they think and what they want uh, from the product, um, what they want from extra features. One thing that people asked from me was that they wanted the ability to personalize their case. So I quickly was able to offer the option for different colored switches, iPad switches, um, so people can customize the cases. Anyway, so that's how I'm selling them right now. It'll eventually be on Amazon about next 
week, probably late next week, will be on Amazon. Oh, awesome! Being on Amazon is going to be think so for you. Yeah, I think that's going to be good. We all, you know, we're we're in a number of places, but um, our website has been the number one uh, place where people are buying. And then, right. um, you know, we're looking to retail. Um, you'll probably find us in kiosks and things like that. Hopefully, next year. That's we got to get in front of those people first. Right, and I mean that's going to be massive manufacturing. Yeah, yeah, on a on a massive scale, and we got to. That's going to be uh, that's going to be the next next. You need month. a warehouse. You're not going to be able to do this in your studio apartment. Right. So what we found was uh, fulfillment for at least the time being, um, at least for our sales through our website, is going to be done through Amazon. They offer Amazon fulfillment. They store everything in their warehouse. They do all the shipping, the returns, and everything, even if it's sold through my website and not Amazon. I, okay. That comes at a cost, right. but that's outsourcing. And it allows me the room in my studio department to have a normal life uh, and also you know, not having to worry about shipping each individual case as they are sold right literally have just amazon do it all for me and that's a i mean that's a really interesting thing because a lot of people don't know this that that about how amazon will do fulfillment for you yeah Um, and uh it's a relatively competitive rate too right they only take like a couple percentage points off the top or something like that and what's really nice is that it's amazon so they they'll 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 take care of the, the credit card processing and all that all of that as well um Really, you just sit back. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing, and they've got such a um, a network distribution network set up that's so successful that it pretty much can get anywhere in two days. Right. Um. So let's talk about the actual the actual case itself. So I'm on your website, ipatch.com, which is a EYE patch, not the letter I. Why'd you, go with, why'd you go with EYE as opposed to the I? I mean, a lot of people would assume it would be I, right? Yeah, I actually started off with the letter I, lowercase. Um, and I, th- I changed it for two reasons. Number one, it's actually alienating to anyone who is not an iPhone owner. Uh, we're going to make the case for you know, and Samsung and uh, the Galaxy 5, S5 is going to be our next model. But this, by having that lowercase I, it kind of ties us to Apple. Second... It also ties us to Apple, which means that could be some sort of a liability with trademarking issues and things like that. And so, truthfully, I didn't want to deal with it. And so, um, I added, I changed it back to EYE, and now we can trademark that. That's good. So these are, I mean, I mean, these are things people really need to consider. Everybody puts the I in front of there. Yeah. I mean, that's what we did with well, for for sign my pad. Everyone keeps calling it sign my iPad, but it's not. It's sign my pad because it's. Because it's we have it for Android and we have it for Windows as well, and those aren't iPads; those are tablets of any sort. So we kind of went with a more generic name. It makes more sense to go in that direction. I just had an issue this week with uh, shipping our products from overseas, and that was that it said on the box that it uh, said the letter the word iPhone five because it was identifying on the box it identifies what phone it's for. Um, you know, and the issue we had was that they raised the flag with, um, you know, the customs looks at these things and says, this is a trademark name, you know, you can't use it. So then I have to come up with paperwork saying, like, look, I'm a legitimate uh, case company using it. So there's all sorts of approvals that I needed to get just for even mentioning iPhone um, on my box. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had to order styluses because I ordered so many of them at once. 
And I remember, I vaguely, now that you're talking about this, I like vaguely remember having to call customs right. and like explaining like what it is that, because I think our box had stylus for iPhone and they were like, they yeah. thought we were, you know, because, because they were, you know, they're in customs. They see so many boxes a day. They just saw iPhone. They thought we were buying like third party manufactured iPhones or something like that. And they were trying to like infringe on some patents and trademarks and right. stuff like that. And I was like, no, no, no. It's just a magnetic stylus. In a way, it's I'm good. pretty sure they took twenty of them out of the box, but that's neither here nor there. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, in, a, in a way, it's good, obviously, because I want somebody looking out for my product in the same way that they looked out for Apple's. Yeah, you know, you know that they're not going to. <laughs> I know. Let's be honest. Apple probably pays the customs, yeah. the the custom border people. So, how much time are you putting into this every day? Into so your product. Uh, I, I work day job. Um, I can't work on it during normal business hours. So I, I would say that I'm putting between two and five hours. So an average of like, I don't know, three hours a day. You know, that's time in the morning. Um, and that's that's time at night. Yeah. And, um, and that's about, about three hours every day. And that's something, I mean, the idea being that you're building this up so it becomes a passive income. I mean... The fact that you're putting it off into Amazon's hands for fulfillment means, like we said earlier, you just sit back and get a check. You don't actually have to worry about right the details and the shipping and whatever it is. So this becomes a true passive income for you, which is the really the tie into everything. Like I always tell people that um, if you can do it as a passive income, do it because that way – because there's only so many hours in the day. Right, and the more passive income things you can do, i.e., selling items like this online or, or using Amazon or, or or apps or whatever it is, the more you have out there, the more passive income you have, the less work you have to do for it. The next thing you know, your your hourly rate during the day is just that much higher. Right, and that's really, I mean, capitalizing is not necessarily about. I, I, it is about being an entrepreneur and it's about creating something you love, but it's also, let's be honest, it's all about making money. Right. Right. Cause that's what we're in here for. And freedom. I mean, making money equals freedom in many ways. It, it's, uh, you know, it allows you time too. I mean, that's really what you're looking to, to do. It's like, this is a, this is a second job that I can do from a laptop anywhere. Right. I want to talk to you real quick about how you got coverage for this. How did you get it out there that, you were creating this product because I mean, you got picked up in a couple of big places. I mean, you were on on digital trends and you were on Yahoo and stuff like that. Uh, it looks like even po David Pogue wrote about you. Yeah, like how did so, you get in front of Pogue? So um, I've worked in the media for just over a decade, and so when I started this crowdfunding campaign, I called on every possible resource that I had. That was just a small part of it. Another major part of it was that I am lucky enough to be married to the owner of a fairly, fairly reputable, successful PR. She's sitting firm. there, isn't she? <laughs> no, she's actually oh. in a different room. But um, in in uh, yeah, so my wife is a is a publicist okay. and was able to get us in front of people like Pogue. Um, and, uh, you know, digital trends, it just so happened that, you know, we, we sent the emails, you know, another, another interesting thing was we emailed, um, 
all of these blogs, and, and I think it's important for people to know that you should never think someone is too small. Annie Scranton is my wife. She is the owner of Pace Public Relations, and um, she was this, the brains behind this media operation and why we were so successful. Part of that was sitting down and creating a list of all blogs, big or small, who might be interested in knowing about our product. We emailed every single one of them. I would say out of 100, I would maybe get two responses. Um, and of those two responses, maybe one would actually write back uh, or write about it. One blog wrote something about it the, from uh, the photography angle. Um, you know, one person reads that, writes about it in their blog, and it is a direct result of that blog that we were in popular photography, which is not only a top magazine, but a top website and blog. And it was probably the biggest piece of press we got. Wow. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting how when you get into one, or, you know, when you get one article written about you, how it just catalysts into so many others. Um, this has happened to me a couple of times where we were written about in Wired and then the unofficial Apple weblog picked it up and then Lifehacker picked it up and then it just like it snowballs. It's and, the way it's the way the internet works and it's and it's just such a crapshoot. Well that's the thing. It's the way the internet works and it, it could either be super helpful or super harmful. <laughs> that you know? actually was a was a was an issue for us. This one blog kind of made fun a little bit of the case and how it was for also for paranoid people. And I mean, I get that and appreciate the humor behind it. Um, but every other blog who read that kind of played off the same thing. And, you know, I had to kind of jump in the comments section and do what I can to say, look, you know, it's also great for photography and protecting your camera. Um, if you're not worried about security, right. Um, but it does. You do have to have some sort of a roadmap and a strategy, and that's where um, I think we were successful. Got it. Well, I mean, it looks like a great product, um, and you know, for anyone who's out there who's a photographer or security conscious or maybe paranoid, <laughs> I would highly suggest. Pick, I mean, I'm going to tell all my friends to pick this up because they're all afraid that I can get. In, like I said earlier, they're all afraid I can get into their cameras anyway. I'm going to tell them all to buy this. <laughs> well, I, you know, you gave me good advice about going AB with our website, which is something that we're still working on. I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that. That's why I didn't bring it up. But uh, since you did, at the pitching panel, one of the suggestions I had made to Mike was that you, if the website was geared towards, let's say, the security aspect of it, maybe have a second website that's geared toward the photography aspect of it to see which one does better. And that's what we call A-B testing. Now, there's a lot of different ways to do A-B testing. In this case, it would be two websites, but a lot of people will take out two ads to see which ad does better, things like that. The idea being, does A do better than B? It's the Coke-Pepsi test, um, where Coke always wins. But <laughs> the, the original suggestion here for Mike was, you have your your main site with your details and your content on it, as well as your store. And then you have a second site with different details and different content on it, also with the same store. So in either case, if someone's looking for, because if someone's looking for a, a, a cover for photography, they may not stumble upon 
the website that's geared towards security. So you really want to be able to get to both of those niches at the same time. So the site that's up there now, eyepatchcase.com, E-Y-E-P-A-T-C-H-C-A-S-E. This is just going to be your, this is going to be your generic site. And then you're going to break off with like another one. Yeah, we've got a few domains that we have and um, we'll keep the same name, yeah. um, but we'll, we'll no, definitely keep up. the same name. Yeah. Right. A-B testing isn't about the name for this. It's it's just to see hit. Uh, in, in your case, it's just hits on a website. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So, well, since I already told everybody the website, uh, where else can people find you online? So we are on Twitter actively and we are at iPatchCase. Um, and then we're also on Facebook. I would just direct anybody to our website. Make it easy. There's links at the bottom for Facebook and Twitter. Um, check us out. Um, there's a contact page. I really am always interested in what people have to think about the product. We're always working on the next model. So I'm curious to what people's thoughts are. Well, reach I mean, out. No, dude, that's awesome. Awesome sauce. I'm like so excited for you. I, I appreciate it. And we're, I'm, I'm really excited too. Also some great news is that, um, iPatch case is going to be officially formally, launching at CES this year at the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas. That's awesome. When is that, uh, J- would you say, January 6th through the 9th, right? January 6th through the 9th in Vegas. We'll be uh, in the south south area of the Vegas Convention Center, and it'll be awesome. All right. Well, if you're going to Vegas and you still have, after you lose all your money, keep <laughs> in your pocket 25 bucks, right? Because that's what your case is, is 20, about $25. It's... Uh, Yep, and and we'll we'll even take Square. Well, Square, oh, that's fine. We'll take your credit card. <laughs> well, you may have lost your credit card. Keep twenty five bucks in your pocket plus tax, and go check out iPatch Case at CES this year. Uh, Mike, dude, awesome! I'm so happy for you, dude. This is really awesome. And even without knowing it, you were a total appetizer, and I love that too. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, you know. I've learned a lot, so every piece of information that you give is is incredibly useful and helpful. Oh, thanks. (laughs) All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. So if you're in Vegas, go check out Mike at CES. I want to thank him for being on the show. Um, You know, without, like I said, without even realizing it, he actually just followed the Appleizer way. And it really proves that people can do this. You come up with an idea and you get it built. And that's exactly what Mike did. So so best of luck to Mike and the iPatch case. And check out his product. It'll be in the show notes down below. Look, it's 2015, people. You know, you got to get out there. You got to start building stuff. Come up with an idea. Look around. If you don't have one today, you'll have one tomorrow. But start writing stuff down. Grab a notepad. Grab the notes app on your phone. Just start writing down ideas. And let's see, you know, let's see if you can get it built. That'll be your challenge for 2015. Most people set resolutions. Uh, yours should be a goal. Your resolution should be a goal to build something and make it great. So let's get that Let's get that going. And if, as always, if you need me, come reach out to me, justin at justinesgar.com. Check out the blog. Listen to the other episodes of the podcast. I'm on Twitter. And uh, thanks so much for the reviews and the notes and the, and the holiday messages. I really do appreciate all of them. So that's it for this week. And we'll see you guys next week on Capitalize on Your Idea.